What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? They take their listeners from surviving to thriving. I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast brought to you by Future Focused Parenting. Hi, everyone. Kira and Dina here with another episode of Raising Adults. And I just have to start by saying a little shout out to our husbands for doing that dad episode. As you probably know, we don't always record these episodes in order. So this has kind of been our first chance to talk about it. And I'm grateful to them, especially because they like followed the format, (laughs) talked about their why. They were so amazing. (laughs) They were so, and I even said to Dave at one point, I was like, did you realize that you said huge a lot. Like, it's a huge topic. I was like, are you, were you taking the piss out of us? And he was like, no, no, not at all. <laughs> so they even, like, used some of the are words. Are you teasing us? <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, Sorry, that's a great. British phrase, isn't it? Taking the piss out of someone. Yeah, I, I knew what you meant, at least. It's not, but, it's but not no, I swearing. Don't, don't use it I'm widely. Not, I'm not swearing. It's a British expression. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were great. And I, the feedback was really great. So I think you as listeners found it helpful too, just to hear their perspective. And plus, I think being married to us is a tall order in itself. So they deserved to take over the laundry room and get to share a little bit. Yeah. And for those wondering, Dave survived. I did not murder him as Scott suggested I might. Yes. So. <laughs> this is the last time you're going to hear Dave's voice. <laughs> yes. It was uh, so great. Yeah. They were funny. So thank you to them. I think we'll probably revive that at least once a season so you can really get kind of the, the dad perspective on things and just so they can get a turn yeah. to be hot and sweaty next to a washing machine. <laughs> I mean, why would we be selfish and save all no, of that for we ourselves? share the experience. Yes, that's right. Share the love. Absolutely. Um, so today, before we launch into our topic, we just want to share a little bit um, about some exciting stuff that's coming down the pipeline. Um, Dina and I recorded last week some videos that are going to be available to purchase, including our Future Focused Fundamentals online course. It's about an hour and a half, and it takes our whole philosophy and breaks it down into six easy steps that form the word future. Um, So the F stands for something, the U stands very clever and creative. Dina created it because she's the acronym lady. Um, And so it's about an hour and a half program and it really takes a lot of what we talk about on here but kind of solidifies it and condenses it down to this approach that you can take as a parent. Um, And then we're releasing two sub videos. I did a video all about emotional intelligence and how to raise emotionally intelligent kids. Um, It's a sort of deeper dive than what I talked about on the podcast. And then Dina uh, did an amazing video about infant sleep, also kind of a deeper dive than what she did on the podcast. So those should be available to purchase starting in November possibly even sooner. Uh, So that's super exciting and you'll be able to find that on our website. So if you're interested in taking a lot of the stuff that you hear on the podcast and applying it in a more sort of what would you just describe it as? Like a, a more It's a more concrete way of breaking it down. Yeah. If you want to take a more concrete approach and kind of have those letters running through your head as you're parenting, then you may want to check it out. Also, the attribute of the month for November is emotional intelligence. How fitting. How fitting. Um, and so if you haven't signed up for that, you are running out of time because we are only offering it for free until the end of 2019. And then that will also be bundled and available for purchase as a printable um, in 2020. So if you want to hop on it for free and you haven't yet, go to futurefocusedparenting.com. Hover over that shop tab. You'll see a link to the attribute of the month, and it'll just ask for your email address. A few pieces 
pieces of information about you and your family, and then you will receive the November and December attribute. And November is emotional intelligence, so be sure to check that out. Wonderful. Well, today we are going to talk about travel. And we've talked before in the episode on family time and the importance of having fun together as a family. We kind of just scraped the surface a little bit of travel, but we wanted to take a little bit of a deeper dive into this topic because most families at some point will vacation or at least get away together in some way. And so we wanted to not only talk about the importance of that and crafting a really strong intention around how you handle travel as your family, but also give some practical tips and tricks and hacks. How do you travel with small people? How do you take good care of yourself when you're traveling with kids? There's a lot here to unpack. Ha! I made a travel joke. Oh, Oh, you did it. I didn't even mean to. Wow. That was fun. (laughs) So do you want to start with your why? Sure. I think I've said this before, but I've I've talked on the podcast about prioritizing experiences rather than things, and I come by it naturally being pretty minimalistic in not only my decorating, but things I own. I love purging. I love organizing. So I would always rather have an experience than a thing anyway, and I don't think everyone naturally leans that way like I do. But beyond that, it was important to me that my kids felt like the – the milieu of their childhood, the backdrop, if you will, could be punctuated by these great adventures they had and memories of going different places and having lots of fun. The other piece of it, though, besides just creating family fun and because I really value experiences over things, was for my kids to see the importance of built-in breaks. We have this kind of day-to-day routine, and it is so nice to have a break from that, to have some days every so often that look totally different, and that that's really healthy, and it's important, and it's essential to create space for that. Because when they grow up and they have a career and they're working, I want them to know it's okay to take that day off and that vacation and to guard yourself, even if it's, we joke about this, I think, in our society, but I don't think we should joke about the mental health day. Sometimes you need a day just for self-care, introspection. I love, I just heard this quote I'm listening to a book right now, which I am going to plug this book because it's that good. But I'm listening to Essentialism by Greg McEwen. And it's all about how do you kind of edit out the unnecessary in your life and really focus. And it, it came from another business owner. And I'm sorry, I don't remember the name, but love this. Literally, this business owner carves out a day to think once a month. And so for me, travel is like carving out that space. And so this CEO had said, if you're too busy to think, you're too busy, period. Well, if you are too busy to go have fun, you're too busy, Mm -hmm. period. So those were kind of the things I wanted to instill. Experiences over things. Let's have fun as a family, but also create margin. There's got to be room for breaks. Mm -hmm. So it's a trifold why. It's a trifecta, a travel trifecta, if you will. Of why. (laughs) I love it. Okay, my whys were totally different. I love it. Fabulous. My first why was because I had to, which is not a great why. Um, But when my kids were small, you know, we had to travel because my husband's family are far away. And that was just really important. So it sounds kind of yucky, like because I had to, but really the why was that we value his family. He deserves a chance to see them. My kids deserve to have a healthy, beautiful relationship with their aunt and uncle and cousin and grandparents. Um, And so that was the why, was just those relationships matter. 
and we have to travel in order to maintain those relationships. Now that they're older and we take trips beyond just the trip to England every year, um, it's very much about us having time as a family that is free from distraction and being in our own home is just very distracting. There's always things to do. There's laundry, especially for me as someone who tries to stay organized and on top of things, there's always something I can be doing. So removing me from my day-to-day, removing my husband from his day-to-day and plunking us somewhere where really all we have to do is be together is so important. And so that why has definitely transformed as the kids have gotten older and travels become way more fun and way more just easy to do. Um, that why of us having together time that is outside of our norm, kind of like what you said, is just so incredibly important. I love that you talked about how there's always something you could do when you're home. We often joke in our family that the only way you get Dina to relax is to remove her. Like, I have to go away to really unplug. I can't do it at home. I can maybe sit down and read or take a bath or watch a show, but it's a very fleeting situation. And for me to actually take a break, I have to be away from all those things because you could look around your, even your home and just see a million things that could I could be doing. Right. Well, and you spend the time in the bath feeling like I'm in the bath and I'm not getting right. those things done. Uh, do you have this? This is totally off topic, but I know that our listeners will relate. Do you have this happen to you where the other day I went to the bathroom? Seemingly simple task. <laughs> One would think I'm potty trained, right? And I, went, I went to the bathroom and I was going to the bathroom before I was going to go pick the kids up from school. So I had just enough time to go to the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom and I see immediately that the toilet roll has not been replaced and it needs to be before I can go to the bathroom. So I go into the cupboard to pull out the toilet paper. Well, what do you know? I'm pulling out the last one. So now I have to go and get the bigger thing of toilet paper and refill this. Well, the bigger thing of toilet paper is in a different room. When I get into that room, I realize there's laundry on the floor. So now I pick up the laundry and I bring it upstairs to the laundry room and the studio to put it in there. And what do you know? I notice another task. And it's like, I still haven't gone to the bathroom yet. And this is, I think, the the problem with day-to-day and why these breaks like you're talking about are so important because when you're somewhere else, you're just not responsible for nearly as much. And you do get a chance. There's more space. There's more time to just go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And and these people will mysteriously change the toilet paper roll oh, while you're people. away at the pool. I mean, it, it is. It's so different. And I absolutely really, I get completely derailed with the most simple task because I've walked somewhere to do something and now I see something else and it's like all of a sudden half an hour could go by and it's like oh yeah I was I was folding laundry once upon a time before I ended up over here plunging a toilet I mean it could be any number of things but I agree and I think our listeners will relate to that so fret not I think this off topic was on topic yes it's very on topic so the other thing I do want to say is that on a bigger why, and it certainly didn't inform travel when my kids were younger, but it's starting to inform it now. I want my kids to have a worldview. And I think that living in America, it's really hard to have one, honestly. And one of the greatest blessings of the fact that we travel to the UK every year is that they get to see a culture that's really different, that is much more minimal than us. The houses are smaller. Um, they, you know, tumble dryers are really just coming into the fold there now. So people just, it's a completely different way of living. Um, and it could be even more extreme if we traveled elsewhere, but it, it dips this toe into, hey, life outside of America is real. Um, values outside of America are real. And I want them to really have a sense of that as they grow. That's so smart that you've 
thought that through because one of the things I loved about going to Asia in particular was even though I think my kids were a little bit too young to completely get this, but you can really easily fall into sort of this like culture centric idea like the way we do it in America is the way and the best way and to just see wow there's a lot of different ways to approach things and they aren't even necessarily right or wrong they're just different and you really get that through travel and it's such a great thing for kids to experience because you could share that with them verbally but it is not going to have the same impact as seeing it and I think the plumbing was a great example for us because we thought that it was a little bit of a a struggle to use a toilet that, where you stand, but it was really interesting for us. I've been in other places where I would find shoe marks on the toilet because those cultures find that's easier for them. They would rather squat and be standing. They don't want to do this sitting Western toilet thing. So what a perspective shift to be able to say, wow, I want to prioritize travel because I want my children not just to see other cultures, but to see there's a lot of different ways to do things. America isn't the only way, and it's certainly not necessarily the best. And you you just can't get that from a lecture or a book or whatever. The The live experience of it is so different. Absolutely. 100%. So let's talk hows. What did this look like for you? And and I was asking you just before we hit record, because, you know, my kids are eight. So yeah. we're definitely moving into a completely different stage of travel that's been great. But, like, it must look so different. Little kid to eight to 15, you know, to adults who travel with you now. It looks night and day. It's totally different. And I was just saying before we started as well that it's not necessarily easier. It's like a different kind of hard. So I'm not worrying about hauling a car seat on an airplane or how will I keep them occupied or how am I going to nurse? But I am thinking about attitude things. How do I travel and not create a sense of entitlement? Or how do we set limits on things without it not feeling like a fun vacation anymore? It, It really shifts. But my my how is multifaceted, I guess, but the first how was I just did it. Mm-hmm. It from the time my children were infants, I traveled, and that meant even on airplanes, and it also meant sometimes I went alone with one baby, so that I could just have the focus on just whoever was the person that was still requiring my boobs. Okay, mm-hmm. that's the truth. <laughs> if I was nursing, I was probably not going to do amazingly well also chasing a toddler on a plane, et cetera. So I I feel really grateful that I was able to facilitate that. But because it was important to me, I just started right away. Even if it was just a little flight over to Spokane, I have dear friends in Spokane on the other side of Washington State up where we are. And I could just make a short flight, but get used to like, what does this look like when you have the front pack and all, I mean, all the things a baby comes with? I mean, oh. for how small they are, so much, so so much equipment. You should try having two. Right? I don't even. It I was dreadful. Well, did you just hear? I purposely traveled with one. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is exactly it, right? So the first how was just doing it, and that means there's a stumble run, a little yeah. bit like a rehearsal before having a play. It meant that some of my first traveling experiences were a comedy of errors. I still remember Sienna having, a. am so sorry, sis, but I love you, but full blowout on an airplane. And her dad and I trying to figure out, like, how do we change her? If she basically needs a bath, that's not going to work. <laughs> so are we doing, like, the sponge bath in an airport lavatory sink? Like, what's happening here? No. And so you just, it was a lot of learning as you go, to be really honest. But that was the first thing is to just 
just start doing it because just like flexing a muscle and getting stronger as I traveled with my children I got more adept at it and kind of knew what are the what are the tips what are the things I should avoid even in terms of like what time of day to book a flight I just got better at knowing what would work with them and their schedule and what would help me not feel insane Mm -hmm. yeah I think like you have absolutely nailed the very first thing I want to say which is Travel is survival mode when you have small kids. So you have to readjust your brain a little bit and go, this is not normal. This is survival mode. What does that mean? And hopefully you have that discussion because we've talked about this before. Like, what does it mean, survival mode? Are you going to maybe just eat at the airport and spend a little extra money so you don't have to pack a whole bunch of food? You know, little things like that. One of the things I always did was spent more money on flights that were at good times. That was just a non-negotiable for me. I was like, it is worth the extra $200 for us to not want to die because our children are completely off schedule and absolute nightmares. Like, is it worth that to me? Yes, it's 100%. I would rather skip a few dinners out when we're traveling. (laughs) Can you say something on that? Because this is a really key thing. And obviously, when you're going over to England and there's an ocean, there's a point where there's just no way to do that any shorter. But this also changes with stage of your children. And I will tell you, when I had a baby that I knew I could work because I did the gentle routine, I knew I could work nursing, sleeping, whatever, I would go for the direct flights. When I had toddlers, no. Mm -hmm. They They need need to get out and run around. So I'm going to pick the layover intentionally because they need to go stretch their legs and play and freak out a little bit before they're back confined in a chair. So look at the frame of your child, the developmental stage of your child, and you may be willing to spend more money for a direct flight at different times and be willing to sit in a random airport at different times. It's just the season that you're in. A hundred percent. I completely agree. I mean, you have to... You have to click into that survival mode. What is going to make this as easy as possible? This is a hard task, especially if you have littles. What's going to make it as easy as possible? But the other thing I think that's really, really important, and I mentioned this to you before we hit record, I don't think you should do this until you're ready. And I love what you said about like you have to just do it, and you're right. You have to just do it, and then you have to keep doing it. But don't do it until you're ready. I see a lot of couples, you know, they have like an 18-month-old and they're feeling trapped and they're feeling like, oh, I just, I would give anything to go to Spain. You know, we're just going to, you know what, we're just going to pack up our 18-month-old and go to Spain. We're just going to do that because we need a vacation. And it's like, hold on, this is not a vacation. That is going to be super tricky and super challenging. And if you don't have the bandwidth to accept the hardships that are going to come with a wonderful trip, don't do it. And so one of the things we were really deliberate about was we actually didn't make that cross-country trip until our kids were out of diapers and no longer napping. Those were my parameters. I was like, I am not messing with a nap schedule, Mm -hmm. and I am not taking a million diapers on a plane with me. I'm not doing it for a 10-hour flight. So that was the rule. I will go to England once they are out of diapers and no longer napping. We did take a tiny trip down to Fresno to visit my friend Christina when they were 10 months old, and it was a disaster. I mean, you've got two 10-month-olds on a plane. No one can go. Like, we can't go to the bathroom because there's a, a two babies, right? There were no breaks. They were waddling around, like, wanting to crawl down the floor of the airplane. I mean, it was such a disaster. They did not nap at the times that they were supposed to nap. I mean, it was, and it, and it just made me go, we're not ready. We're just not ready yet. And that's okay. We're actually allowed 
to wait until we are. So I would say if you're either leaning into like this idea that what we really need is a European trip with our 15-month-old, or if you're feeling pressured by family, and we were not, we had, I mean, Dave's family were amazing. They came to us for those first four years. But it, I know some people have family that are like, when are you going to come visit us with your newborn? I would just encourage you to be your own advocate and to really be okay with the fact that if you're not ready, don't do it yet. You'll get there. You will go eventually, and you'll know when you're ready. I want to just reiterate for our listeners that little gem there. Because that is a gem of wisdom that Kira just dropped. That was a truth bomb if I've ever heard one. If you are traveling with small people, you're going to need the perspective shift of it's not a vacation, it's a trip. It's still important, especially if travel is a priority in your family, shared experiences are a priority in your family. So it is important to start doing that as soon as you're ready and can do it financially and logistically and all of that. But really getting your mind around that's not a vacation. That's just a lot of hard work. And it doesn't mean you won't have fun in there. But if you go expecting it to be super relaxing like it was in your single pre-child days, you're going to be really disappointed. So having the right mental setup is pretty critical to not being disappointed. Yeah. I had a friend say it's like parenting times 10, but without all your stuff. I mean, that's exactly what it's like. It's super intense. Right? So you have to, it better be a trip that's really, really worth it. And it might be for some families that it is, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, that's part of their value system. Traveling is really important to them, makes them feel like themselves. Then absolutely go do it. But if you're like me where it's like I think travel is really important and I, and I want to get there, but I'm not there yet, just give yourself permission to not do it right away. Yeah, there's there's room for that for sure. So a couple other How's because I just came off sounding like a Nike commercial. My how is just do it. I mean, there really is more to that. Okay, so a, a couple a couple that come to mind right away on my hows. One was this idea of redeeming the travel time, because especially with smaller people, oh, like a long flight. Are you kidding? When we flew to Beijing, I thought I may go insane. I've not heard so many iterations of songs by the chipmunks ever in my life (laughs) i still can't cope with it to this day and that was in like 2010 and i'm not interested do not get me anywhere near alvin simon and theodore i will hurt you (laughs) so this is just imperative that you've thought through how are you spending the time now some families do this myriad there's myriad ways to do it so you can Buy some little treats in advance and like wrap them up and give your kids a new one every hour so they have something new and exciting to look at. You can intersperse some fun snacks, maybe things they don't usually get at home that are more like a treat. You can give permission for things that don't normally happen. Like, I'm okay with hours of the video in that seat back in front of you rather than at home where you get 30 minutes of TV. You know, there's there's got to be – that's part of the survival mode thing too. Like totally. just making it super fun for them so that you can – emerge with your sanity intact. You're already going to be on the wrong time zone and be parenting times 10 without all your stuff. I love that. But there's no reason that you should also suffer for the time it's spent getting there. So whatever your kid's thing is, think about it and capitalize on it. That really helped us to just make the travel part of the fun too. Like I had a my son super into like nature and just particularly animals and particularly the kind I don't like, arachnids. But when we flew 
to Colorado, I gave him a brand new sticker book of spiders. <laughs> and he was so happy and spiders were being stuck everywhere. And it was the only time I was okay having a spider on my person because it was a sticker. But I mean, that's, that's a simple, silly example. But I mean, it really kept him busy. It was something he enjoyed, also very tactile, and he was very kinesthetic. So just thinking like, what do my kids enjoy? What could I pull out of the hat, so to speak, that would be really fun and help that time pass in a way that's more manageable for all of us. So that was one of my little travel with kid hacks is I've got to make use of the travel time and make that to them feel like part of the vacation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's definitely what we've experienced. Like my kids can't wait to get on an airplane because they know they get nine hours of screen time. (laughs) What? I never get nine. Really? I can watch another one? Yes. You may watch as many as you'd like (laughs) until we land in England. Um, So I love that. I think that's so true. And I remember early on um, reading somewhere and I've done this ever since, but like organizing their backpacks, like making sure they have their own pack that's filled with these things and organizing it in a way that things are accessible. So using like Ziploc bags as an example. So all the, you know, have a change of clothes in case your kid is a vomiter or in case, you know, they have an accident or whatever, put that in a Ziploc bag. So all you have to do is pull out the Ziploc bag instead of pulling out all the pieces, have all the activities in a Ziploc bag, have all the food in its own bag so that you really can kind of minimize the stress of like getting under the seat Mm -hmm. and looking for the thing. Digging around and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and then I also, This is my favorite parenting tip. If you are on a long haul flight and you have more than one child, might I recommend you take the two seats that they're in and you lay one across the two seats and the other on the floor in front of them and everyone is lying down and can fall asleep. And this has been a miracle for us on those red eyes because both kids, because they're lying down, fall asleep. So important. I do not sleep well if I'm not horizontal. No, me neither. So this makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't sleep on it. those overnight flights, which is really fun. And that's problematic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I need my children to sleep. It's very important that they sleep, but they do. They're getting a little big for this now, but um, up until about age six, seven, um, that works like a treat. You just plunk one on the floor, plunk one on the two seats, and they pass out. Hooray for that. I love that. So also, I think for some families, one of their little speed bumps and for some families, it's probably a big speed bump is the financing of this. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to give a couple little tips for that. And one is many of you've probably heard of web surfing incognito, but you can find great flight deals when you're in incognito mode. So that is a really worthwhile tip to just go in that through Google. And you can even type in incognito browsing or whatever, and it will bring it up. And so it's like, it doesn't save your browsing history and you get access to different things. And so you can find some great flight deals that way. So definitely worth checking out. I mean, even beyond like going through like an Expedia or one of these conglomerates, you're just browsing incognito and you'll find things that aren't out in the regular world. So amazing. The other thing is if you're worried about accommodation costs, which a lot of people are, it's like, well, we can get there and we have all these great ideas for cooking instead of eating out or whatever. But wow, we're paying a lot just to have a roof over our head. And you can really entertain longer stays as well with this. And that's the idea of a house swap. And there are a lot of reputable sites now that do this. Again, if you just type in house swap or vacation house swap, there are people willing to just trade houses with you. How do you not know that they might not want to come where you live? And then you can also stay longer because it's affordable. Essentially, some families will even just do the swap at a straight, the swap is the price, like you're not paying. And I know of 
one family that was able to live with their family in Mexico for six months because of a house swap. And so in their family, travel was really a priority. And they wanted to give their kids a longer term experience of kind of immersing themselves in the culture. And she said, there's no way we would have been able to do it with hotel or even Airbnb. But when you find someone who's like, hey, we're going to be gone for several months too, stay in our house. Amazing. I mean, and and for a family who might be on the fence, or maybe that's the make or break between whether you can go or not, well worth looking into. Oh, I love that. That's really great. Another thing that can be really helpful if you do travel regularly is to have a routine in place for when you travel. So for us, for example, we always we drive to the airport when we get to the airport and we check in. Then we go to the kids play area and the kids get to run around and get some energy out. And then there's a restaurant we really like. So we go together and eat at that restaurant. And then we make our way to the gate and then we all go to the potty. Then we get on the plane. Once we get on the plane, here's what we do to get ourselves set up for success for a successful flight. And so now when we travel, my kids kind of have these touch points that they recognize that are comforting. And even though we're kind of out of our norm, are making them still feel like, oh, this is our special travel routine. We get to eat at that restaurant we really love. And we get to, you know, pull out our crafts. And the first thing we get to do is our Kindles if we want, you know, those kinds of things so that they still have those touch points that are associated with this fun thing. Well, it's so wise because it's a way of bringing consistency to the inconsistency of travel because that is a break in your routine, but you found a way to bring routine to that break. And that really helps kids feel comfortable and secure even when things are kind of different. So that's really smart. I mentioned this, so I know we need to wrap up soon, but I have to follow through and say my tip for teenagers, because that looks very different. The The kind of requests you're getting with a little one, you know, wanting to swim all the time, or I need more help with my water wings, or, oh, I have to go to the bathroom and you're not near one. I mean, those challenges when you have toddlers and preschoolers, oh, next level. I just have so much respect for you. But it doesn't mean there's no challenges with teenagers. And so you get a lot of the gimmies, like wanting everything. And, oh, can I have this? Can I have that? And then when they're old enough to have a little bit of freedom, say, to walk around the resort by themselves, you can also run into challenges of how do we make sure we also get some family time without that feeling like a drag to them because it's infringing on their freedom in this fun new place or whatever. So a couple of things we've done that are just practical and are going to seem really obvious, but they've been helpful. So I think they're worth mentioning. One is we set the souvenir budget in advance. That way, we're not left with having a battle over this keychain in some shop. It's they already know in advance how much they have, and that might mean they only get one thing, or it might mean they get several small things. But there's no haggling, and it just removes that, and that has been really helpful for them to go in knowing that. There's also been trips where we've said the souvenirs are on you. We are providing this amazing vacation and the food, et cetera. So if you want to buy something fun at the place we're at, that's going to be for you to do. And as they've been old enough to have their own jobs and things like that, it's been pretty well received and it's also been interesting lesson in them just practicing budgeting. Oh, we're getting near the end of the trip. Am I already running out of money? Do I really need that T-shirt? So that's been really interesting to watch and just let them try on some of those important values about fiscal responsibility and making their money last. So those have been some practical things around the money thing because teenagers will sometimes get the gimmies, so to speak. But the other thing with the timing, it, we really have just set a routine to use your analogy, which is great, an analogy, the way you do it, I love it, where dinner is together. Mm -hmm. So you're allowed to wander around and explore the beach during the day, but we always come back 
together for dinner. And then we can hear about what each other did, especially if two of the kids went down the water slides, but three were over here walking through the shops. And it's just fun to kind of come back. And again, it provides that touch point, like you so aptly described, a chance to talk about what's been fun for you, especially if we weren't all together for some of it. So dinner is kind of the non-negotiable. But I think especially with teenagers, you have to present that in a way that feels fun and special and lets them know they have a voice in this vacation. So not only do we give our kids a voice in where we go each year, and they've had some say in that, but with the dinner, what we do is we make sure we're never at a vacation less than five nights so that each of our children get to pick dinner one night. So then they're motivated to come back for dinner, especially on the night it's their turn to choose which restaurant. So we've found this way to make it fun rather than, oh, it's a drag. I got to go back with my parents and whatever. It's like, oh, tonight's my turn to choose what we eat, you know? And so it's been fun. And then we get all this variety of food because our kids have very different tastes. So that's been really fun. And we do the same with activities. We might say today, there's going to be a lot of room for free time, but this one thing we're going to do together, or we've chosen this guided tour to such and such. And we're doing that as a family, and then you're free to go. And just those couple little helpful logistics have made all the difference in removing some of those challenges with the older ones. Oh, I love that. That's so great. That's so smart. Just so that every Everybody feels good, right? You get a family vacation, they get some freedom, yes, and everybody feels connected in that way. Um, just a couple top tips before we wrap up for traveling internationally, especially with littles and jet lag and immigration. Mm. And let's just talk about those things really quickly. So, jet lag stinks. And I would highly recommend that if you are traveling with littles that you just brace yourself like and have a plan for what you're going to do at 3.30 in the morning when they wake up because they will and you may also be up or you may be sleeping and someone needs to take care of them. So just knowing like, hey, if they wake up six times, which they might, um, which is why I say don't do this until you're ready for it, um, what are we going to do? And those six times, are they going to get to watch some TV? Or do we have a quiet thing for them to read or an activity book? Is there a place they can go? This is one thing that happened last year that was amazing. We were staying at my sister-in-law's, and she had like a little cupboard, and we set it up so that if they woke up, they could go into the cupboard by themselves, turn on the light, and do a little reading, and then put themselves back to bed. That obviously doesn't work with tinies, but they were like seven, and that worked great. And Dave mm. and I got to actually sleep through the night. <laughs> so that was pretty great. So just have a plan for jet lag. How are you going to handle it? Don't hit the ground running the next day. Like Give yourself some space. And then that applies when you come home, too. It's really important that kids have a couple of days to recover from their jet lag. Don't assume that they're going straight back to school the next day or right back into their gymnastics class or whatever it is. You want to build in a buffer of time so that you fly home and then you have a couple of days to recover and just get the laundry done and everybody kind of get a little bit back on track. I think that's smart, too, because I think the way back is harder. There's some more ease and pushing through being tired when you're in this new place with all these things to see and it's just different on the front end coming back to just oh back to regular life wow that exhaustion hits and it's crazy oh yeah and then the last thing i'll say is just about immigration because immigration with ch children is quite simply the worst like you're in this very long line they've probably just woken up from the flight if they fell asleep at all you've done a cross-country flight you just want to get home and sometimes those lines can be up to two hours long and you can't have your phones out so they have no way of being entertained so there are a couple things that not everyone knows about one is global entry 
which is you do have to pay for it, but then it lasts for five years. So if you are traveling internationally regularly, global entry is so worth it because you don't have to go through the main people. You get a special, there's a special set of kiosks for global entry. And then there's also a program that I think is free where you register your passport and information and all these things. And then you actually skip over immigration and go straight to um, a guard who checks that you've signed up for this thing. And I'm, I'm using great Great language to describe These this. These are all the technical terms. Yeah, Dave did did this part. I did global entry. He did this part. But it's an app on your phone. And anyway, it's worth looking into because we just like breezed through immigration last time. So anything you can do to just make that a little bit easier because, again, it's one thing, like you said, you're in the new country and we're at immigration, but we're so excited to be there as opposed to like, I just did a 10-hour flight. Mm-hmm. I just want to go home, get my car seats, you know. So just to make that a little bit easier if you can, look into those Super things. Super helpful. Thank you. Well, we hope this has been of assistance on your ideas about travel or for when your next trip is. And maybe you have one coming up. I know um, at the time of this recording, we're kind of headed into the holiday season and a lot of people end up going out of town and doing different things. So hopefully you've found some tips and tricks that you can use and put in your toolbox for the next time you're dealing with travel with your children. And again, please sign up for the Attribute of the Month. You're running out of the the opportunity to do so for free. So we really want to encourage you to do that, although it will be available in 2020, but not for free anymore. So please do that. Futurefocusparenting.com. Just hover over the shop tab and you can get a hold of that. Be looking for our videos. They'll be on the way soon. We, sh- we hope to have them on the website for sure in November, but it could be even sooner than that. And being able to just take an online course and dive deeper into some of the things you hear on the podcast can be really helpful and transform your parenting in a really practical way. So avail yourself of these resources. Take the opportunity to do that. And I also, we just want to say, again, like we do every so often, but thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for rating and reviewing. Those things really help us out and allow us to bring you more of this content. So we really appreciate those of you who are faithfully subscribing and rating and reviewing. We can't say how grateful we are. It makes such a difference. Yeah. And if you haven't yet followed us at Future Focus Parenting, we have officially moved everything over to that brand. Um, So the Raising Adults podcast Facebook page and Instagram page is officially no more. Um, Everything's been moved over to Future Focused Parenting. And we have been posting some really cool stuff on there and great links to different topics and things that are going on each month. And we're also starting to share a little bit of ourselves on there, too, for people who don't listen so um, and don't know us as well. So definitely, if you have not followed us at Future Focused Parenting on both Instagram and Facebook. But trust me, even if you have been listening, you will get some things you have not seen before with the who knew fun facts about Kira and Dina. (laughs) So be waiting for that. It's going to be fun. And I do have a quote today, and I have to give a little shout out to my own travel agent, Ashley, because this is actually at the bottom of her email signature, and I love it. So I'm stealing it, and thank you, Ashley, because she's a big help to us when we're planning trips. Fill your life with adventures, not things. Have stories to tell, not stuff to show. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded in Kira's laundry room. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening.